Plain Spoken, Episode 1. Welcome to Plain Spoken. My name is Dean Abbott, and this is the podcast where we talk about all the issues of life from the perspective of lurking to live more quietly and with greater focus on what really matters. In this first episode, I thought what I would do is try to just introduce the topic a little bit and tell you a little bit about myself. I want to keep these two Oh, between 20 and 30 minutes. Um, I don't want them to be real long for a couple of reasons. First of all, I'm not sure I can be interesting for more than that amount of time. And also, I value brevity. It's Maybe that's part of living a quieter and simpler life. But generally, I think if you can't say what you have to say in 20, 25, 30 minutes, then you really are not as clear on what you want to say as you ought to be. So... That said, I'm going to try to keep this relatively short um, for most of these episodes. I should let you know right at the beginning that if you want to find out more about me, you want to connect with me further, you can always follow me on Twitter. It's just at Dean Abbott, at D-E-A-N-A-B-B-O-T-T. If you do go to my Twitter profile, you'll see there a link where you can sign up for my free weekly email messages that also deal with this kind of content as well. If you sign up for that, I don't think you'll be uh, disappointed. And generally, the response to those has been good. So uh, I encourage you to do that. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about me and uh, how I came to have this interest in living a quieter life. Well, first of all, I grew up in the 1970s. And so I've watched the world change in ways that people who perhaps are younger have not seen that happen. I think when you get older, you have more life experience behind you. You get to see how the direction of the world has influenced you and also how it's influenced the culture around you. So when I was a kid, I used to sit down and read the newspaper. I remember very clearly being in elementary school, probably 10 years old, and reading, I had a favorite newspaper columnist, if you can believe that. I love to read Russell Baker, whom probably most people don't even remember now, but at the time, he was a huge figure in American journalism, and I love to read his columns. So think about that kind of experience compared to what we have now. Kids that were are now the similar age as to what I was when I was reading Russell Baker, of course, have in their pockets a nonstop flow of information and distraction. In, in addition to that, that experience of being on their phones, cycling through Instagram or whatever they're doing, is inherently a faster process than uh, reading the newspaper. So when you're reading the newspaper, you have to sit down. You can't, you, nobody walks around and reads the newspaper. 
You have to focus on ingesting mentally each word that's before you. And then afterward, you have an opportunity to take time to reflect on what you've read. None of that happens now. Okay? Uh, and so we are living in a situation where there's much, much more information and in a situation where all of that is happening much more quickly than it did 30 or 40 years ago with less time to digest anything that we do see or intake. Now, I was also there at the beginning of the Internet. And so I've been using the Internet, uh, oh, 30 years, I guess, uh, since really 1993, 94, probably. I started out using uh, a modem that I would jack into the wall uh, plug for the phone line. And I would go on bulletin boards and I would chat with people. And then in 1995 or so, Netscape came along and transformed the whole internet experience to what well, something similar to what we have now, right? Because we had the first internet browser. So I don't want to say that our use of technology and the way that it has accelerated life is a simple thing. There are many, many benefits to the technology that we have. I'm using this technology right now. You're using it to listen to me. And yet, the use of technology is one of the major issues that has to be sorted through if we are going to live more quietly. I think the general sense of our culture is that the more technology, the better life is. And I want to make clear that that's a question, that that's an assumption that I want to question that needs to be questioned. So, but we don't want to do that in a simplistic way. I'm not a Luddite. I'm not going to say technology is always inherently bad, but it does have to be used with more discernment than is than we're typically told to use with it, that, than we're typically educated to use with it. In addition to that, I've always loved ideas, and I've always been uh, willing to act on ideas that I hold. I remember in eighth grade, back before the internet, I had a teacher that I was never a person who fit well into school. Uh, Always a tension for me there, because I was an independent thinker, and I uh, I actually loved ideas, and I wanted an education, and often school got in the way of that. I had a teacher in eighth grade who recognized this, and she gave me a book one day, and she said, take this home and read it. And it was Civil Disobedience and Other Essays by Henry David Thoreau. I, I, if you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen last week or something, or a week before, that I wrote a tweet that said I was radicalized by Henry David Thoreau, and that's really true. Reading about Thoreau and about his willingness to live uh, quietly on Walden Pond for a while and to face the realities of life in that way, well, all of that um, inspired me. And over the years, 
Thoreau became just one of many sources that spoke into me and into my worldview and helped me to come to grips with who I am and what the world is like and primed me to believe that real life, the life that people are searching for, the real quick of life, lies underneath the surface and lies underneath what we are told in the world is real life. And so real life doesn't necessarily consist of the frantic search for pleasure. It doesn't consist of the nonstop hustle. It doesn't consist of acquiring possessions and experiences. That really real life is about something else. It's about what we do in the quiet. It's about our being able to see each individual moment without distraction and to be connected to others around us in those moments and to appreciate and take joy uh, from those particular moments that are passing us by. That's one of the many things that, um, that it's about. All that time, too, as I was a young person, I also struggled with intense anxiety. And at some point in the future, I'll probably do an episode just about my struggle with anxiety and what I learned from that and what brought that about. But clearly, a quieter life is a life that has a lower level of anxiety. And over the years, I've been able to reflect on um, what caused that situation for me, what what the antecedents of that were, and I've been able to lower my anxiety a great deal. And a lot of that struggle with anxiety, though, the answer to a lot of that has been to seek a quieter life. And so I'm coming to this with those three factors, um, having grown up in an era that was slower before the internet, um, having been primed for a certain way of thinking by both experience and by my intellectual journey, and finally, having struggled intensely over the years with anxiety. And all of those together form a lot of the background for why I decided that uh, pursuing the quieter life was something that was worth talking about with others, with you. About a year ago, uh, my writing, however, and the things I was doing online were not focused on the quieter life. Until that time, I tweeted a lot uh, about traditionalism, about cultural change. I wrote about religion and some other other topics that kind of generally fall on the right of center list of concerns. But for several reasons, I have stopped doing that. And a couple of things happened. First of all, my personal circumstances changed 
uh, and I went through a great cataclysmic event uh, that involved uh, losing my job, and I, I and I'm I can't say more about that at this time. But that for me was a, a real impetus to think about what it is that makes life. What's essential in life? The other thing that happened to me was that I realized that all of our cultural crises, the increasing cultural insanity that we are living in, and all of the problems attend, that attend that, are in fact a crisis of spirituality and of emotionality, of, of spirit and emotion. And so one of the reasons that our culture seems crazy is because, in fact, many people in it have a tenuous grasp on reality and are, in fact, uh, unhealthy people psychologically and spiritually. And it seemed to me that no amount of arguing about politics is going to actually make a dent in those problems, because the problem is much, much deeper than politics. And so I decided to step out of the masses who offer only critique. Up until that point, a lot of my writing had been, like so much that you find on the internet, really focused on simply describing the problem and uh, explicating how it is that certain people or movements or groups are contributing to that problem. And I decided to leave that behind as much as I could and instead to focus on trying to build something, trying to do something positive. And you probably know that trying to build something positive is in some ways a more difficult task than simply critiquing, okay? And that has proven to be true. I think, uh, for example, I could probably have 10 times my Twitter following if I tweeted about politics all day and just did the sort of standard complaining that uh, occupies so much of the digital space. But that would not be satisfying in the same way that actually building something is. And so I'm not, that's, of course, not to complain at all about the results I've gotten in the year since I've made this turn. I'm very happy. And one of the great things that's happened is that as I've begun writing more about these topics and uh, tweeting about them and reaching out Lots of people have reached back, and so now I'm in a position where people all over the world now reach out to me and ask for help um, with whatever decisions they're making and ask me for my opinion, etc., and I love that. If that's you, please reach out to me either um, through a Twitter direct message or you can email me at dean at deanabbott.com. I would love to hear from you. So I've been trying for the last year to help people focus on finding ways to live more quietly. This podcast, of course, is an extension 
of that and of my ongoing efforts to accomplish that goal. So what do I expect from this podcast? Well, like I said, I expect that I'll, it'll be brief. It'll, I'm hoping that it will be regular and that it will be a way of, for us to connect, for us to engage one another around these issues. And I think as time goes on, it will evolve and, and change and I hope improve. So I would love to hear from you about what kind of content would be good for this podcast. Whatever it is, this podcast, as I said, is devoted to the issues of life. And so if you have something you'd like to discuss, nothing is out of bounds. Again, if you want to contact me, please do so via Twitter. You can tweet at me, you can uh, send me a direct message, or you can email me, dean at deanabbott.com. I'd also appreciate it if you consider supporting me on Patreon. I don't. I will try to link to that uh, somewhere. I'm not 100% sure yet where I'm going to even post this. I probably do it at Anchor, and I bet there's a way that you can add a link. But if not, you can find me on Patreon. Just search for Dean Abbott or just Google search Dean Abbott Patreon, and it'll come up. All right, so I'm going to wrap it up here now. I told you this would be brief. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again. Bye-bye.